This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B-Bass. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me at B not B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Castbox, or online at podpeople.me or keepscreaming.com. This week, we are dissecting 1984's Fatal Games, directed by Michael Elliott. But first, our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movie this week, as well as life updates. Um, let's see, life updates. My birthday is in a month and two days. And I'll be 32. No. Yes. Really? Yes. <laughs> I was like, shit, is it older? <laughs> but yeah, definitely 32. Yeah, I'll be 32. Um, and other than that, for me, my life updates are just, I mean, uh, I think I touched on it the last episode too. I'm still knee deep in screeners. Um, Fantasia and Fright Fest decided to run at the same time this year. Um, and luckily, you know, we have all these um, festivals that did decide to go online, which is really nice. Um and I'm really hoping it sticks around even after all of this because I hope it makes these promoters realize that festivals are something for people who are a little more privileged, um, like financially, especially like, or not even financially, but just like time-wise too. You know, like I work 40 hours a week um, and, you know, freelance is not my main source of income. And it is really hard to get that time off to go do freelance for a festival because um, it's not just going to the festival. It is also you have to pay room and, um, you know, room, you have to pay to stay and then you have to pay to fly out. So it ends up being unless you're working for a company that covers that, which very few do, um, you know, just to go, you're probably looking at spending I don't know, at least a couple hundred dollars, um, probably, you know, realistically like five, $600. Um, I think my trip to Frightmare ended up costing me like close to 900. Um, and that was with very limited, like extra eating. Um, and even like my alcohol was at a lower <laughs> than normal. The alcohol was, was definitely one, but like luckily um enough people were sharing rounds that it wasn't too bad um so yeah uh, 
I had such a fond memories of you going to Frightmare without me, but (laughs) I do truly mean it being fond because like I had a newborn at the time. Mm -hmm. Like my son was literally like two weeks old. And so I was up really late. I was up like every hour and a half because I was exclusively breastfeeding. And so I'd like be up and I'd like get it. I was actually had something to look forward to while I was awake in the middle of the night because I could text Ryan knowing that he was like out and he would like have something new to tell me in like the hour and a half that my ass was sleeping while my kid was sleeping. And so like I I swear to God, I'll like forever be in my memory, like sitting in my nursing chair at like two in the morning. I mean like looking forward to like reading whatever new text I had from Ryan and like they were fucking crazy and definitely worth it. I was like, wait, you talked to who you saw who, what happened? What inside scoop did you get? Who did you have drinks with? Yeah. And I'm, you know, has I have a baby attached to my boot? <laughs> no, it was, I mean, it was a blast. And like, that's the thing is like having experienced both now, I want both to exist. Um, because Same. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, like, in defense, like, not so – and, like, I touched on last week, I am in the throes of the Nevada City Film Festival, and it's so bittersweet this year that it's not happening physically because although it's definitely not a festival that, you know, is feasible for a lot of people to come to because it's quite the trek to get up there, um, anybody who does, like, falls in love with it, like, this small town and, like – it's like right on the uh, Yuba City River. And so um, I was talking to a filmmaker last year and she was like, this is such a nice festival to come to because it's such a change of pace instead of being like in a conference center and like doing interview like nonstop. Like, yeah, you get to go to an event and you do like you do a screening and then a filmmaker questionnaire and then you literally like grab a pint at this brewery and walk down to this like gorgeous river. It's like you're on vacation almost like, and then you're surrounded by people and like the whole town participates. So it's, it's really founded in like the local community. Um, And that's like how that festival started was like local filmmakers. And then now it's an international film festival with titles from literally all over the world. Um, but I love that because they always have like some big people who end up going every year because it is just sort of this magical experience. And so it's sad that that's not happening, but then it's so amazing. Like I'm getting so excited and hoping like more people get to participate this year because it's not really a festival you can travel to very easily. It's not by an airport. Like you get to the Sacramento airport, you still have like an hour and a half drive to get up there. It's not like it's this easy place to go to. Um, So there's, I think it just, while there's nothing that will replicate these physical film fests and the experience for filmmakers and fans and journalists going to them, I think making this shift to like online accessibility is going to bring so many more opportunities to the filmmakers, which is what film festivals are all about. Um, Trying to foster voices to the film community. That's not just from the big players. And like, this is how like up and coming talent gets recognized. And that's so important. I don't know. I've like, it's crazy seeing all the work. Like I'm just one team V is just one small part where 
or the like digital marketing, digital media marketing team for the festival. There's like a million people that go behind. And this is, like I said, a small town like festival um, that's growing, um, but it's by no means like Fantasia or anything. So the amount of work that goes into these, the amount of films that these directors, these festival directors watch it's just they're truly our labors of love. So I think anybody, just like a general PSA, anybody who listens to our show obviously cares enough about movies to listen to like this niche podcast about slashers. Um, I think would really benefit from participating in some of these festivals and supporting these like indie filmmakers and all of the hard work that goes into creating these programs. Oh yeah. I want everyone to, that's the thing is I want everyone to be able to go. And right. like I said, after experiencing both now, Chattanooga was amazing and it did a really good job at like feeling like a community f- still because mm-hmm. it was still a little more grounded. Fantasia, Fantasia has done some similar things. Like they have a discord channel and stuff, but it doesn't feel quite the same because it's so much longer too. Like chat was packed into like three days. Fantasia has been about a week now, a little over a week because they have so much content. Right. Um, you know, but like both have been incredible things to experience and then going to Frightmare. Um, I want everyone to be able to experience it because, and I want them to have the choice, you know, like that's the thing is like, I want, cause you know, every time festival season ends up rolling around, I see journalists on my Twitter feed that are like breaking their back to scrape together the money to be able to go. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, that's not how it should be. And like it, if you can't make it, like if you, if you decide, you know, everyone has their things that they put their money aside for, right. You know, like, some people like vacation, some people like really nice food, some people like gadgets, you know, like if that is the thing you decide to put your money aside for, like a hundred percent, you should go and experience it. But like, if you can't, or also if that's like not the thing you really want to, you should have the option, you know, to do it online, especially like now that I've seen how it works, I recognize there's a lot more work behind it than like we see. And I'm sure, you know, to run both at the same time, who even knows what that would look like. Um, but I'm just hoping for more accessibility. And also I've, I know a lot of uh, people, like I said, in lower, obviously lower income brackets. And I, I also know a lot of people who are disabled and can't travel easily. Um, and then even when they do, um, those venues are not built for them. Um, so, or like highly immunocompromised, you know? So like, and that the world is going to change for them after this, like, you know, so like, I think those are things we need to start looking at at least. Um, but yeah, I've just been watching a lot of that. Uh, you can find most of that coverage at my website. Um, I don't plug it too often. I try not to be a, a shill, uh, but um, God, is, is shill politically incorrect? Oh, I was going to say, did you forget the name of your website, Ry? No, I was just like thinking, <laughs> that, like, I really don't know. I Sometimes I lose track and I hope not um it doesn't look like it okay um but it's it's ghastlygrinning.com um and i've had a most of the fantasia coverage has gone up almost all of those embargoes have lifted um so i've watched a a, just a ton of stuff um and uh yeah and then for frightmare as well um i'll just bring up real quick the one i like uh that i watched recently that really comes to mind was get duped which is um it's on Amazon Prime, actually, as of this recording. So when you're listening to it, it'll be up. And it is um, a Scottish horror comedy. So very much in the vein of like Shaun of the Dead or um, 
Attack the Block, which are both like favorites of mine. Um, and it's about these four kids who go out into the Scottish Highlands to do this thing called the Duke of Edinburgh uh, Edinburgh Award, which is real. Um, and what it is is it like tests the metal. They go out and they have to rely on each other and like ingenuity and uh, teamwork and everything to make it. And while they're out there, they realize that they are getting hunted um, by this like weird organization and they have to like end up fighting back but it's really really funny uh super well done it's a uh, ninian doff did it he wrote and directed it and the way he blends the styles because it's very much like a british like humor like it's a british king comedy but like he mixes in horror he mixes in like um like like splastic he and like he also somehow mixes in like music like musical it's very hip-hop themed and there is a musical like number in the movie um and he it, just the way he blends it all together works like perfectly uh i guess there is in Shaun of the dead too though so but uh yeah check out get duped on amazon it was originally called boys in the wood uh but like it a made, title. it's a way better title but the problem was so the movie has had struggles marketing itself because it can't really show what it is too much in the trailer without giving a lot away. And so the way it's like the trip, if you watch the trailer for the movie, you're like, this looks good, but I have no idea like what is happening or like what the plot is. So they uh, need it to come across as more like goofy comedy by being get duped. Yep. So people like, I read something that basically said like boys in the wood, like people were liking it too much to boys in the hood um, and expecting like a more grounded drama almost uh like just well, yeah because it's a play on that title right exactly so they changed it i think boys in the wood is way better um but get duped i would yeah. never see a title of a movie called get duped and be like yeah let me check that out oh no i think the title's awful like straight up i think it's really <laughs> also, really bad is there really an exclamation mark in it like come no, on there really is. yeah and so i think it's like bad but I understand why they did it but at the same time i'm like oh this is not better i think yeah, i'm gonna stop i mean i like the poster yeah, and it's a great I think that movie. Can, conveys it perfectly without that title, but you know, what? Whatever. There's a lot. There's a lot of decisions behind that. So yeah, I'll, but I'll but let that have, pass. If you have Prime, check out Gate Duke, especially if you're a fan of Shaun of the Dead or Attack the Block. It's very in vain with those. Uh, I've also been reading Midnight Sun. So Ryan, 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 what's that about? So Midnight Sun is the first Twilight book from Edward's perspective. Uh, and I, Ryan, 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 who's Edward? <laughs> Edward's a vampire. Edward Cullen is a vampire who lives in Forks. Um, he's 74, 84, I don't know. I just, oh. He's actually younger than I thought he was. Like For some reason, I thought he was like hundreds of years old. Uh, which also, confused I, with Angel. Angel is hundreds, but Jackson, I feel like, is oh, yeah, not Jackson, old. Jasper. I yeah, felt like Jasper, old. yeah, he's like existed since the Civil War. So he's like hella old, but he acts like the youngest and he's conveyed as the youngest. No fucking the buff dude is. Emmett? What's him? Yeah, Emmett. No, em no Emmett. No, Emmett is like, yeah. I'm oh, pretty yeah, sure. But Jasper is conveyed as like not being able to control his bloodlust, but he's the youngest to the Cullen family, right? Right. Which is yeah. why he's treated as like the youngest. I think in the books, like when they're in school, which also now that I'm now that I'm older, I realized what how 
how weird it is that their brothers they act like their brothers and sisters but they're right they're all dating uh super creepy weird to me but like when they're at school edward it's actually a junior i think and three of them are seniors and i didn't think it was jasper but it might be now yeah okay maybe it's jasper emmett and rosalie and then i think alice and edward are the juniors juniors. i think it could be edward and rosalie but i think it's edward and alice um anyways it's the book is the first it's twilight from the from the vampires from edward's perspective um i read all four of the original books when they came out because um a girl i had a crush on liked them and i read them so i could talk to her about them and and then he literally like forced me it was like i need you to read these i'm like wait why i don't why i don't understand and like i hadn't i was in high school at the time i think and i hadn't even heard about them yeah and I was like, I think the two of the books were out, or maybe all of them were out. I don't know. Two, because two, I read the first two to catch up to the third one being released. Oh, okay. And then he's like, well, I read them, but I have nobody to talk to them about. So, like, I'm going to need you to read them. And then I literally devoured them in, like, a night. Yeah, because they were, they're super easy reads. And, you know, it's like that – it's what you and I love. It's that paranormal, like, teen romance and um, – yeah. And so the first, yeah, so the book is all from Edward's perspective. This is many, many years later, obviously, that this book has finally come out. The first six chapters leaked online forever ago. Um, but so far, I like it. I was telling me, like, it's it's cool. I mean, like, I'll admit, like, they're not good books, but they're fun books. And I enjoy the movies. So, um, you know, I I know the characters. And so it's fun to read it. I don't really care about Edward's perspective because a lot of it is Edward just reading everyone's mind. Um, and which I'm like, dude, that's really intrusive, first of all. And then also like um, it gets kind of boring because I'm like, this is Edward's book, but like, I'm like so much of it is him reading. So much of it is him stalking Bella through other people's thoughts, uh, at least in the, like the first half. Right. Cause he can't read her thoughts. He can't read her thoughts. Yeah. And he's also not talking to her because he's afraid he's going to kill her. So he just like is figuring who, I, who she is like through people's thoughts. Um, but the part I have very much enjoyed is um, like you spend more time with the colons. And so you get to know all of the colon vampires more, which I actually like because obviously when you're from Bella's perspective, you're spending the entire time with Bella talking about how she can't believe Edward touched her and that she liked her. <laughs> um and so when it's at least from edward's perspective in between the breaks of him pushing as hard as he can to have it so bella can't fall in love with him um we're spending time with the colon family <laughs> so that's nice i also like, want to watch the movies well so i put them on about it. yeah no i put them on right before we started podcasting just to have on in the background but i got about halfway through the first twilight and i forget like how much fun Edward actually is when him and Ella, Bella actually start dating. Yeah, I like the first movie a lot. Like, his whole attitude changed, and, like, I know these movies get touted a lot as, like, goth and, like, emo, but, like, Edward's really upbeat and happy when him and Bella start dating. Like, he jokes mm-hmm. around all the time. Like, he's very playful. I like all of that. So I, I'm excited to get to that part of the book because I'm like, I'm ready for the playful stuff because right now it's all Edward brooding about how he can't read her mind. He wants to read her mind and he might be falling in love with her because of how she smells. <laughs> I mean, he has finally started to get to know her. Uh, uh, like he, 
has talked to her in the through, hospital. Through other people's fucking thoughts. Through other people, but he's also, like, finally talked to her in the hospital, and he's, like, in, in, and in the classroom, so he's, like, piecing together little things. Um, so, yeah. All right, also, Edward has two second. degrees, and um, he has two medical degrees, by the way. Hmm. Right, you know. yeah. I know he makes some comment about, like, how high school is starting to get boring. Yeah, and he also... Junior year so many times. Um... Yeah, he has two medical degrees, and he also knows the name of every baseball player. <laughs> that comes up. So just so you know. All right. So there's like a, a the history with the baseball. Yeah. I, maybe, actually. I mean, that's definitely the part I'm really excited about. That's like the book that you want to be written, just them starting their own baseball team of vampires. I, I would love that movie so much. That's like, the best part of that movie. And then they rival with the bad vampires and like the stakes are whoever wins the baseball game at the end of the season. It could be shapeshifters too. I don't care. I really don't care about the shapeshifters. I hate Jacob, so I am not <sighs> Jacob. We could Being spend an entire episode. <laughs> I'm very much team Jacob. I if you because I know you're all dying to know. If like we're talking real life situations and we're like speaking of the actors, you know, in the movies, one, because of my age, I find Robert Pattinson as Edward more attractive. And I'm like, oh yeah, like it's hard not to be won over by him. Me as a person and reading the books and like in the world of the fantasy of the characters, I much prefer her with Jacob and think they were a better fit for each other. And I prefer wolves over vampires. That to me is sexier. But then, you know, Jacob's not sexy in the movie, so I get it, but it's whatever. Still Team Jacob. He would have taken better care of Bella. Edward is really selfish in a, I love her so much, but I'm going to like do bad things to her because I think that's going to protect her. He's very, yeah, he's a martyr. Yeah. So, Yeah. There's our little Twilight thoughts for the day, but I do want to know what you think of the book at the end and if I should. I yeah. should I'll let you know if you should actually read it. Well, realistically, listen to it. Oh, right. Man, you know what? Do you think they could get Robert Pattinson to narrate it? That'd be so good. Dude, I would buy that. And like, there's no fucking way. I wonder what they'd have to do to get him to narrate the audiobook. More money than they have to offer. I don't. That's, do you think he would take money for it? Do you think no, he would do it for a? So, so uh, yeah. Him and Kristen Stewart hate it. Yeah, hate well, because they don't want to be famous as he well, signs up to be fucking Batman. No, he doesn't want to be. It's not that they don't want to be famous. They don't want to be pigeonholed. Um, yeah. And like that's, I saw someone the other day um, post about it. I can't remember who's someone on the Twitter feed, but they were. Just, I think Alicia um, Grasso, the editor over at Adam Pickens, she posted. And it was like kind of, it was kind of eye opening. It was like, she's, yeah, she was like, um, Twilight came out 12 years ago and he has starred in 14 movies since then. It is time to let it go. <laughs> like, cause she posted that after, of course, the Batman trailer. Batman trailer. And while most people were excited, there were still a ton of people that just associate him with Twilight um, and like bring that up, which is funny too. Cause again, talking about these movies, like it's not like he acts poorly in them either. Like the material might not be for you, but it's not like he's a horrible actor in them. 
those movies elevate the books 100 percent. absolutely yes yeah and so like that's the thing i always think is funny too i'm like so it's not even the fact that he acted poorly he acted in a movie that you think is bad oh my god i can't believe this came up and i forgot but ben and i were driving yesterday and i swear to fucking god we saw uh the scion xd the box scion and it had a twilight sticker on it yes <laughs> oh my god i can't believe i forgot to tell you that this is perfect so, so and i and what's even better is the conversation that we then had and like my wonderful positive husband so right it's literally like the twilight logo like you would see fucking star wars logo like in yep. the type treatment yeah it was twilight just that's it in white really nice sticker on the back of that scion that's it no other stickers just twilight and ben starts laughing he's like look at that and i'm like oh it's twilight and i was like holy fucking shit there's a twilight also like like you said the first movie came out 12 years ago it's not like it's star wars it seems a little weird that there's a twilight sticker on the back of that car and ben's like well i mean i'm like that's a really weird sticker to have he's like well people get have movie stickers in the back of their car all the time it's like we don't think it's weird when we see star wars or when we see like star trek or anything you think it's hella cool if you see like something from halloween and i'm like yeah i mean you're right that's true anytime i see something from a movie on the back i don't think it's weird I just happen to think it's weird because it's Twilight and I just thought it was random. Yeah. But you know, I like kudos to that person. Like, yeah. Seriously. Their Twilight. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That like makes me want one. Here in the, our, our Lord's year of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was like watching the movie. I was like, is there a cool Twilight shirt I could wear? <laughs> is there one how do i rep twilight in a way that's like you know because i don't think yeah i don't think i could you know wear the like edward and and uh um bella like shirt um Uh confidently um it's not my style i would say but uh i i would rock like a shirt that was just like Forks High School, and I'd be like, "Right, yeah. that's what I was gonna say. We'll have to get, we'll get, I'll design you one of those like low key ones, or like, exactly. isn't her dad like a sheriff or something? We yeah, do like Forks, yeah. Forks, Forks Sheriff Department, Department. exactly, yeah. Um, and then yeah. it's really only for like the true fans who'll know. And they'll be like, Forks, yeah, like Twilight, and you'd be like, yeah, bro, like Twilight. Or I could play it if I don't want to talk to him. I'd be like, because it's a real town. I'll be like, no, my dad's from there. <laughs> just, <laughs> just like, you know, he's from Forks. <laughs> Um, anyways, B, what did you watch? Um, I watched um, quite a few things. So to start off, I watched John Wick 3 for the first time. Um, yeah, it was super good. Uh, watched the first two a while back when I was starting my action movie filler in. Um, which I feel pretty good about. Um, obviously, I still have like a lot of holes, but for the most part, I filled like all the massive things missing from my action repertoire. The only things I would feel that are super missing still are the Bond movies, but I do have a plan to start on some of those um, with one of my best friends, Lo. We're going to work our way through some of them. You guys are um, movies? Oh, we are. I love James Bond. It is my favorite action franchise. Really? Oh, no, I it's not. That. Fast and the Furious is your favorite action franchise. Ooh, okay, you're right. But yeah. James Bond is definitely my favorite spy. Um, yeah. 
I grew up on James Bond. My stepdad was obsessed. And so mm. like growing up, like that was, I have very fond memories of the, like, um, that's what, what the I Connery would, was that the, uh, the so I'm a, I'm a Roger Moore guy actually. Okay. Uh, but like of that era, um, Con- Connery is in some of my favorites. Thunderball is one of my favorite James Bond movies and that's Connery. But my favorite is Moonraker, which a lot of people hate because it's, it's camp out there. I mean, it's on the moon. It's campy as fuck. Um, but that's Roger Moore. Uh, and I love that movie too. But yeah, I grew up on James Bond, so I have very fond memories. It was like some of the only bonding time I actually had with my stepdad was watching those. Um, so it, like he didn't watch movies. The only movies he would ever watch with us was The Sandlot one billion times um, <laughs> and and the James Bond movies. So like me and both my brothers have like very fond memories of um, watching the James Bond movies with him. Uh, but that's exciting that you guys are going to watch them. I love those. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, John Wick, those movies are great. Um, like, no complaints about the third one. I love that universe so much. And just, I don't know, forever, like, into seeing more. And, like, I like how the third one, well, and the second one does, too. Like, you get a tease in the first one, for sure, of sort of this, like, society of assassins or whatever they are and then you really start diving into it and i really enjoy that um and i'm not a keanu reeves fan i know i know um but i just that just missed me for whatever reason and so you guys I have was no idea how many times this conversation has come up. How, has, how, often, how often every one of our friends is just like what nobody, are you talking about I know. And dude, I don't get it either. Cause like a lot of the times I can justify like the fact that I grew up with a single mom. And so a lot of my exposure like her was to her particular taste, but she liked Keanu Reeves. I remember watching that fucking baseball movie a lot and that like surfing movie a lot. I don't know. I just never liked break them. That surfing uh, movie. I know guys, I'm sorry. You can murder me later, but anywho, I like him in these movies. I do. Yeah, it's so, great. Yeah, video. Um, so I watched that, and then I did a horror trivia for the first time last Friday, and it was '90s themed. And I knew I'd be good on the slashers um, and horrible at everything else because, I mean, I'm a '90s baby. I was born in '92, so a 90s in general unless they were family friendly or like things I would have been exposed to like and interested in as a preteen like I don't I did not go back to them because it's not like when I started getting into horror movies I went back to like the 70s and the 80s and filled in I wasn't going back like five years ago to the 90s um like it just wasn't I'm the big one sure but anywho so I have a lot of gaps for like general 90s horror which i realized as i was watching things or as we were doing trivia and ben did it with me and he was getting i was like i haven't seen that he's like oh okay yeah it's this one he's like wait you haven't seen that i have not seen that so anyhow i'm on a mission that's my next like fill gaps so i started off with um stir of echoes which is barely the 90s from 1999. Um, But I love Kevin Bacon, so I figured that's a great place to start. And I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I 
also find it interesting going back without like any nostalgia or like any like reference for these films and being able to like not have blinders. Mm -hmm. And I, although there's like some kind of things I don't super love about how like the finale played out that feel kind of dated, um, you, there's no part of the movie where I just get lost in the fact of like, oh my God, okay, yeah, this movie is really old. Um, it does, it scares really well and plays very, Ryan and I had this conversation um, offline, but uh, plays very similarly to The Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. And it it's less of, it doesn't have this like big twist shock, but uh, the subject matter, sort of like the supernatural subject matter uh, the way it plays, its jump scares, its atmosphere, um, all plays out very similar. And I mean, Kevin, it's it's really weird, but I swear to God, like it's one of those performances by Kevin Bacon where even though I know who he is to my core, I kept thinking he was somebody else in this movie. Like it's such a different performance from him and like in the best way possible and I just – you just kind of get lost in this character of his. And he's just spectacular in it. And he is honestly, like, I think a genre king. If you look at all oh, of the genre yeah. movies he's been in, I I think people forget that because they think, oh, it's like Kevin Bacon and, like, Footloose. And, like, they think of all this other shit he's done. It's like, yeah, but especially in, like, the last 20 years, look at all the great – like thrillers and horror movies he's been in. Like, it's just, I love him so much. And yeah. And yeah. It's great. If you haven't seen it, yeah. um, it is streaming on, I think I watched it on prime. Um, and definitely one that, like I said, if you go back, you don't have to have any nostalgia for it to think it's good and, and enjoy it. Um, which, funny enough, I looked up the director, which is um, David uh, Kat, who just did You Should Have Left, which is the new Kevin Bacon and Amanda Seyfried movie, Blumhouse, just came out. Did you see it, Ray? It is the only movie I've given a rotten rating to on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, <laughs> um, wonderful acting. Um, I just, it's very, whew, it just doesn't know what it wants to do. Um, yeah. Like, it really... Kevin Bacon's great in it, and so is Amanda Seyfried. She was like exceptional in it. Um, and yeah, there are, both of them. there's a lot of like cool, almost creepy stuff. There's like a lot of stuff at the beginning where you're like, oh shit, like you think you know where it's going. You're like, this is going to be so creepy and like scary. And then like it turns into this really contrived, like, I don't know. It's it's like a it's a time paradox, but like with no rules, and like it's also a time paradox in hell to teach Kevin Bacon's character about his life lessons. I don't know. It's just like it's like I said, it feels like very contrived, and it like loses itself. Like the first half, I was totally in, and like I had read all the reviews like that had come out for it, and I was like oh what i was like they're being way too hard on this movie and then like by the second half like by the time it was over i was like yeah i can see it like i can kind of see what they were complaining about like i i I still don't think i was as harsh as those other people like i said i mean i don't have like a a a letter or number rating on ghastly so i just have to decide if something is rotten or fresh 
um, you know, and I, it, for me, it just, I would put it like, you know, use the four star system. Using a, yeah. A four star system. It's a two, you know, okay. Yeah, um, there was some things you liked about it, but it just didn't. Yeah, it just it didn't hit the like. I liked this, Mark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I mean, if you like those actors, it's still, I, it's still worth watching. Yeah, um, I mean, I will wait until it pops up on something streaming. I'm glad I didn't rent it. Um, I will. That reminded me of something I we did end up renting instead of that, and I will get back to that. Um, the other movie from the '90s that I watched that I hadn't seen was Body Bags. Um, from 93, which was instantly something I went to, obviously, because of all of the horror icons involved with it. I mean, it's Carpenter and uh, Toby Hooper. Uh, Wes makes a cameo in it. And my my little heart just, just about dropped to the floor when I saw him. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not a big anthology person. Um, I I've just never like been super drawn to them. Trick or treats, but always been my exception. And that's because it has such a strong um, overarching yeah. narrative where it really doesn't feel like separate stories. It feels like you're just peeking into this town. Um, I've, I've never super jived with a bunch of shorts put together in, in one. I'd rather watch the short separately. Anywho, I'm starting to get past that. And I've like, seen more that I really like um but that's probably why I've never watched this in the past because I saw it was an anthology um I absolutely loved it um it was so 90s but in like the best possible way um there's three segments in it it's chock full of people that you know and love um tons of creepy fucking body horror really great effects just master I mean all the masters behind it it's just it's just great and funny enough uh led ryan and i to like a long conversation about um mark hamill mark hamill and like how great he is in this he's in the the third segment and i'm just like wow like he's such a great actor and i'm like i star wars is fine it's not super my thing i've i've now seen all of the mm, well not seen most of the movies. I haven't seen a couple of the newer ones. Um, and I like them just fine, but I'm not like a big Star Wars person. It's not like one of my fandoms. And like, especially I don't have any kind of history or nostalgia with the original movies. I didn't watch them until a couple years ago. So I don't really know much about Mark Hamill besides the fact that I was like, oh, I guess he's in the Star Wars movies. I'm like, why? He's so, I watched this. I'm like, right. He's hella good. Like, he's a great actor. Like, why is he not in, like, why is he not in more stuff? And, I mean, just for a variety of reasons, I guess. He's just decided to do more more voice work. But I was it was really nice to see him in something besides Star Wars. Yeah. Yep. And, no, it's always nice able to see a performance of him and be like, fuck. Like, hell yeah. You're, like, yeah. It was just really good. I'm pleasantly surprised when I saw him pop in and. Um, wasn't expecting that type of performance. I definitely undervalued him as an actor because of his Star Wars, which was not fair of me. Um, and then let's see. So I watched um, We Summon the Darkness, which is now streaming on Netflix, which I think technically came out in like April. Um, 
It's directed by Mark Myers, who did My Friend Dahmer, which was a well-put-together movie. Um, But I don't, I mean, as you all know, I don't care for real-life serial killers and um, telling stories about them, really. Like, just not for me. Um, And not that I thought this movie handled anything poorly. It, It handled the story of Dahmer just fine. Um, but uh, it's slow <laughs> and uh, it's fine. It's a fine movie. Yeah. Uh, we just don't care for the subject matter. I just don't care for the subject matter. So um, I, it's interesting because this, We Summon in the Darkness is polar opposite. So this is a true blue like horror comedy. Um it is very much like in the vein of things like satanic panic and um, like tragedy girls and like those movies where like you're making a commentary on like women in situations of horror movies. Um, I adored it. Alexandria Daddario's in it. Um, fucking Jackass himself is in it as her father, which is so oh, weird. Yeah. Um, Johnny Knoxville who I used to have a fat crush on when I was a kid which is so funny Um, and also just another sign that I'm getting older that he's playing like the father and things Yep. also the father of Alexandria Daddario like I don't know if that math adds up but that's fine Um, I loved it and I was super angry that I didn't know about it sooner and like had missed my radar for some reason because I'm like this is exactly my taste in movies she literally texted me out of nowhere and was like you're fired and I was like what did I do and she goes you didn't tell me this movie existed and I said well you're fired because you didn't read my review of it and she went okay fair so we canceled out the firing yeah so guess what guys we're still hired yeah um but I absolutely adored it. So if you like uh, movies in those veins and if you vibe with my taste, um, watch it. It's on Netflix. Um, I rented The Rental, the Dave Franco directed horror movie. Um, I forced Ben and our friends Derek and Gina, who we've been like quarantining with. Um, we had like a little movie night and it was actually either that or you should have left. Um And I, it was a mixed party. My husband hated it. Oh my God, he hated it so much. And then he tried to insult me by saying I only liked it because Dave Franco directed it. And I'm like, that's not true. I like these types of movies. Um, It's without, I can't talk about what I liked without kind of giving away like a bunch of the plot. So all I will say is, It's one movie in the beginning and then very much a different movie in the second half. And I think those two styles don't mesh great together. Um, And so you're either going to like the first half or you're either going to like the second half. Um, I liked both halves, but I would have preferred the whole movie to be the second half. Um, And so I think that's like the main takeaway is like that's – it, it's kind of two movies and doesn't really flesh out either of them. Um, and so I liked it, but, and I saw potential in like Franco as a director in this genre for sure. And he does some cool stuff, but uh, it was fine. It, it was definitely something like I was happy. I only paid $7 for the rental, not 20. 
I would have been a little annoyed if I paid 20 to rent it. I think, yeah, I think it has good atmosphere. Um, Great uh, atmosphere. Allison Brie, I mean, kudos. Well, that, Allison Brie and Dan Stevens, too. Oh. Yeah, I mean, great cast. Um, yeah. There's some plot points I didn't care for, didn't think were necessary. Um, yeah, I agree with that. So, yeah. So, I mean, take take that review for what you will. Like I said, I don't want to go into anything spoilery. If anybody watched it, wants to talk about it, hit me up on Twitter. The last thing I will talk about, I told you I did a lot this week, is I finished reading um, Pretty Girls um, by Karen Slaughter. Um, and this was a recommendation by our friend Becca, who's like a crazy reader. And I was just like, hey, these are the types of books I read. Like, And she sent me a whole list. So I'd read Sadie, which I talked about last episode. I really liked that. And so I literally – without doing any research, just went to her next book, got it, like I bought the audiobook, and I started it. Um, it's like one of the most graphic books I've ever read. And I don't really read a lot of horror books, but I read like a massive amount of thrill. Like if you're a longtime listener, you know, I listen to like massive amounts of like mysteries and thrillers. And it is that, but it also, like, I mean, I will just flat out say it because I think you need to know before you, if you plan on reading the book, like, goes into, like, legit, like, snuff porn, torture porn stuff that is, like, graphically talked about and numerous times. And the audiobook itself was, like, 30 hours. Insanely long. And... While I really liked the characters, I liked the story, the mystery was good, it was a little drawn out for me and felt a tiny bit like, okay, don't need to hear about this really graphic violence again. Um, and it filled, seemed to really harp on that. And that's a common complaint after I finished the book um, that I saw where people were like, why was that necessary? Um, so... Again, take that review for what you will. It's not something I'm necessarily recommending. I liked it, I guess. I did, but... I liked it, I guess. I, I liked it, I guess. But um, I wouldn't... I If I would have read what it was about, I probably wouldn't have read it. So, I don't know. I don't know about that review. Glowing reviews. Uh, <laughs> glowing um lowering review as you may have noticed we took a little extra time on our pop culture check-in because i'm gonna let you guys know straight up we're not working with a lot here um yeah b and i decided to watch fatal games from 1984 uh we based uh i mean we like checked it out real quick like a clip on youtube there's numerous clips of like this one very famous scene from not very famous but like the most <laughs> scene from it. Um, this the uber famous scene from 1984's yeah. fatal games uh, but like we saw a clip and it, uh, we, it was in our book, um, the teenage slasher book, which you should, if you're a slasher fan, you should definitely check out. I'll have to pull up the name of the author in a moment. Um, but we decided to give it a shot, uh, because we were looking for something, you know, after doing Cherry Falls and Texas Chainsaw, like we had been in the, like the big, in the big ones for a minute there. So we we're like, let's do something a little smaller. Um, and so we chose this one and, uh, it's definitely, like I said, it's uh, it's an '80s. It is a true blue '80s, like you know, from the glut of slasher movies. Um, J. A. Kurzweil, by the way, the, um, is the writer of that book, the James yeah. Slasher book. 
Uh, yes, which is excellent. And any any fan of slasher should own. It's a great resource. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, this is definitely in some, you know, which we will get into. But in the vein of like, okay, we are just going to take like the bare like structure of these slashers and like push the push the kills, push the sex. Yup. And exactly. like forget about everything else. Yeah. Like I was texting Ryan when I started watching it and he'd already seen it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I was like, oh, okay. Like whitey tidies. And I was like, oh, boobs. I'm like, oh, sex. Okay. More boobs and butt and vagina. All right. We're, this is the movie. Okay. Yeah. That, and then I just wake I fell asleep in the middle of our commentary and I just wake up and it's the last text and it just says, I didn't like that. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, our synopsis, this is great. So I, this is the Ron Tomato synopsis. As a group of young women, tra- by the way, they have synopsis, but no reviews. But as a group of young women trained diligently for the upcoming Olympics at the Falcon Academy of Athletics, an insane murderer begins to inventive- inventively pick them off. Ryan, you can be the first Rotten Tomatoes reviewer on Fatal Games. I actually... I'm kind of tempted. Um, that is a very generous synopsis. The one this is, I, <laughs> which I, I was hella laughing at because it sounds like someone just like wrote it offhandedly. IMDb is this: a mad javelin thrower kills teenagers in the school. All promising athletes are executed in a most brutal way, especially naked girls in dressing rooms or saunas. <laughs> That is the honest to God IMDb summary for this movie. Um, I fucking love it because it is the most brutally honest summary. And it's like so perfectly vague in the school. Yeah, it's so good. But then there's words like promising athletes. Uh, Yeah. um, Brutal, but they're killed in the school. Yeah, in the school. Oh, that, that shit cracked me up. That's great. Um, yeah, I thought that was a lot of fun. Give that person a goddamn award. Yeah, I mean, if I could rate people like reviewers, yeah. five stars. Five um, stars out of four. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was weirdly, it has no like official release date. It was released in the U.S. in 1984, but no one like decided to keep track of when it was released. Um, and the this movie um it has a video it has a video release date from japan that is what also is listed on um, on imdb as its official release date which is august 25th 1987 three years later uh and it was alternately titled olympic nightmare and the killing touch dude yeah it should have been the killing touch man like creepy nightmare too um for yeah i mean for pure camp vibes yeah i actually all these i like fatal games is great it's they're all very they're all great killing touch is just appropriate to who our killer ends up being and also there's lots of touching in this movie and most of it's inappropriate yes that's true too Guys, guys guess how much this movie was made for we have no idea yeah, no one knows. Not a surprise there. Do we know where this was filmed? Yes. Um, I almost wrote it down. Canada? Maybe? Uh, no, I think it's LA. I'm pretty sure it was filmed at a high school in LA, but I'm going to look right now. Um, this yeah, is, I mean. This is before um, it costs like a ton of money to film 
in LA, you know, gotcha. so it was filmed. Um, I really thought it was LA, but maybe, nope. Yeah. Uh, LA at, uh, university high school, West Los Angeles. Oh, really, really close to me. Like, Oh, literally right down the street from me. I've driven right, by this. We gotta go. Yeah, actually, I'm going to, I have to go. You got to go and take a picture. Yeah. Like guys, uh, I'm so part of, is, I'm part of the fatal games. Yeah, this is where um, Fatal Games was filmed. And everyone would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Fatal Attraction? I'm like, no, Fatal Games. Duh. Um, box office, I mean, they can't even tell us when this movie actually came out. So, I mean, just no box office. Um, I, yeah, to only to only be a fly on the wall when, when this was released, wouldn't that be interesting to just, just know? One review, and like you just can't find any from the era. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, like Rai said, no Rotten Tomatoes yet. Um, he's on it or Metacritic score. Um, but it's received, you know, a cult classic status to the point where you know it's being recognized, um, regardless of its you know negative reception. Um, a British review site called Hysteria Lives. That is the guy who wrote the book. Yes, Hysteria it is. Lives. Um, So the guy we found out about this movie from um, says Fatal Games is a real cheap production. That is true, but still not as cheap as the video extravaganzas of later years. Also true. Uh, For much of its running time, it has the production values, editing and acting of bad porno, complete with farting sense score. (laughs) (laughs) While braising the kills and climax, saying they were... Fun in a strictly campy way. That's amazing. And <laughs> the most accurate way I've ever heard like farting used. But it's yeah, so a farting sense score. It so, is. It is because it's like, I mean, it's close to slaughter high. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm dying. That's how <laughs> way to describe the because the whole time i was watching it i'm like oh my god this is just just iconic random ass 80s synth score like what what is this mess and i was like i was thankful because i was getting a little distracted to be honest like i was working and like i kept looking down and i would always know when to pay attention because here come the farting scents and i'd be like oh all right something's gonna happen and i could look up past you know whatever these mindless characters were saying. Um, Yeah, so that's that review, which is perfectly accurate. And then BleedingSchool.com wrote a mixed review, criticizing the film's bland direction and music, but praising its opening theme song. (laughs) Oh, my God, these reviews. I love that, too, because, like, that theme song, it makes it seem like it's going to be, like, an 80s sitcom. Yeah, well, so. yeah, that's the same with the mutilator. Like, it's oh, a yeah. good theme song, but the music in the beginning of that movie, I'm like, is this like Family Matters? What's happening? We're like, gonna fall into spring break or yeah. spring into fall break or whatever the fuck they. Oh yeah, I guess it was the theme song. Yeah, fall break. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. Um, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think of this poster? I mean, it's definitely uh, indicative of the era. Yes. Um, Okay. So our poster is our uh, javelin killer in 
kind of a silhouette. Um, and then we have our um, cast of hopeful Olympics in like their body and color and also like the sun or something. And then it's like chopped off in a box and then you see fatal games with like a um, arch perspective uh, and then the credits. It's and then the tagline America's Olympic hopefuls are competing in the fatal games. That's fun. Um, I I don't mind the like composition decisions um, and the idea behind it. I just don't think it was um, wonderfully executed illustration wise. Um, but as far as like the the concept behind it, like I can get behind this, and it does feel very in line with. A lot of the other posters, it just has, you know, it it needs a, a, f- a fine-tuning for sure. Um, yeah. Like, the idea was there. It just – it doesn't quite hit the mark where I think if they maybe had, like, a better illustrator behind this, uh, it it would have uh, amplified the, the design of the poster a lot more, um, which, you know, if you look back, like, movies like Alone in the Dark, you can – see that the poster kind of lives on even more than the film does. And some of those films get a more of a cult status and like a lasting effect in culture because of these posters. So I think this movie could have been helped from, you know, a little bit of a a push in the illustration, but uh, the idea is there, the concepts there for sure. Yep. Um, the taglines, the second prize is death. Uh, and also, someone is stopping the nation's top, top athletes dead in their tracks. I like them both. They're both, again, like super 80s, which is fine because this is a super 80s horror movie. But what's the first prize? Um, not death. Oh, okay. A gold medal, I guess. I don't, I mean. So you, the have, whole, to, like, you have to win. Yeah, the whole movie too. I was like super confused. I was like, they're in high school, right? And it's like, oh, they're training for the Olympics, so they're they're. I mean, it's an academic school, which I don't know if that's real. Um, well, I mean, probably. no. As far as I could, you know, which is not the easiest thing. As far as I could understand, the the school that they were at was for training, and any kind of academic stuff was separate. Like, not all yeah, of the kids it- went to like the same high school this was just specific because some of them like the focus wasn't school at all and it really was about the olympics and then there's that one girl who's like her dad's pressuring her to get straight a's and she's like oh yeah let me just get in the olympics and get straight a's like that was like a whole plot point of like her not disappointing her father true Um, i don't know yeah so a little bit confused like because there are and you would potentially be doing that in high school and typically you would be tutored right um, yeah so you would spend all of your time training even right. if you were like of high school age and then you would you know have a tutor to you know uh do your schooling that was really just there to you know for a state mandate that you have to go to school yep not for uh, any kind of academic reasons no sequels to this to this movie uh doesn't set up for one does not or, or yeah yeah our crew is uh again this is it's we're talking bare bones here there's very few who went on to do much 
Um, director Michael Elliott, this is his only film. He also did script revision on a movie called To Kill a Stranger, which he wrote. Um, well, he worked on that movie with Raphael uh, Buñuel, who is also the writer of this movie, which he, co- he co-wrote this movie with Michael Elliott. So they both worked on this and To Kill a Stranger. Um, and then also Christopher Mankiewicz worked on the script for this. It's his only writing credit, but he had... He would go on to have like bit roles in movies like Runaway Jury and Eraser. So he like popped up again briefly in the 2000s. Alrighty. Yep, I know. Um, our farting sense score is by Shuki Levy, um, who did Power Rangers Time Force. Do you know what Time Force is specifically, Ray? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he did also um, Ninja Force too. So. Oh, okay. So for those those in the know, um, Spider Man Unlimited and Digimon, that was my that was my vibes. Like the TV show. Um. Yeah. 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 I used to watch. I used to love Digimon. Yeah. So he went on to have a very successful career when he branched over into cartooning. Um, yeah. Which and like, I can yeah. get. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's a lot of like just sound effects and like loud, kind of discordant noises. Uh, our editor is Jonathan Braun. Um, he's also gone and did still have actually a pretty prolific career, but it's mostly in uh, reality TV. So he works on Survivor. He works on Swamp People. He works on quite a bit on that channel, whichever one is Swamp People's on A and E, I think. Um, like mm. he's on, he's on like. Oh, uh, I was like Swamp People. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then our cinematographer is Alfred, Alfred Taylor, who didn't do much, um, but is, I thought this was interesting. He also was a cinematographer for Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which is a very, like, big cult favorite within our community. Um, and it was his last credit. That's interesting. Well, and even, um, like, in the horror community, but just, I feel like, as a kid, that was just, like, one of the movies that everybody talked about. And was like, oh, like, can you get your parents to rent that, like, from the video store? Yeah, I think it was just, like, kind of a video nasty that turned into, like, a favorite. And, like, it was also late. I mean, it was on USA and sci-fi a lot, I remember. Mm. As a kid. So I think it just turned into one of those movies. Right. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's gone on to, like, garner. I mean, it had a whole maze at Universal Horror Nights last year. It's, it's definitely. Really? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, it was awesome. It was really, really cool. It was, like, under the big top and stuff. I forgot and, you went to that. Yeah, um, and so it's turned into like definitely quite a bit bigger. And he, I mean, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if he retired or passed away. But honestly, like from jumping from this to that, uh, he probably would have had a more a longer career in horror, which with whatever happened. <clears throat> um, so our cast is Sally Kirkland as Diane Payne, who is the school nurse. Uh, she is a very prolific actor. Um, but just not in a lot of like notable roles. She shows up a lot in television. She had like quite a few runs on Days of Our Lives and um, a, a few other soaps. Um, her biggest credit was in that movie JFK uh, with, um, oh my God, Kevin Costner. And, um, but yeah, 258 acting credits and she's still actively acting. Wow. That's yep. nuts. I know. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Lynn Beneshik as Annie Rivers, um, only credit besides a bit role in Son of Sam. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean Masterson plays Phil Dandridge. 
Michael O'Leary as Frank Agee, Teal Roberts as Lynn Fox, uh, Spice Williams, Crosby. Um, I forgot to mark who she was. My bad. I guess has an insane whoever that character is. I mean, does it super matter? Um, six, super successful career as a stunt woman, 101 credits. Yeah, she um, went on to do a lot of work. Yeah, uh, which, is stuff, which is cool. probably why she's in this movie. Um, Melissa Prophet she's as she's what? She's the coach. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Melissa Prophet as Nancy Wilson, um, who's in Casino and Goodfellows, and Angela Bennett as Sue Ellen Baines, and then Nicholas Love as Joe Ward. So yeah, just a ton of people who which we see a lot with these uh, types of movies where they're in the movie. A few of them go on to do things. Most of them. This is just a fun story that they get to tell. Yeah. I thought Melissa Prophet was interesting because she was in Goodfellas and Casino, which are both right. like extremely successful movies and also proves that she had a working relationship with Scorsese. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of just like, what happened with her? But I, I again, I like couldn't really find anything. Like uh, Casino was her last movie. So I, I, but I can't find anything about if she passed away or not. So I don't know. But that was like an interesting trajectory to just like kind of cut short. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, especially because I mean, it's that's Scorsese. He's huge. Is he? Yeah, I mean, he's just you know like one of the biggest directors of all time. Uh, it's I would say a teen scream ish. They're kind of teenagers. I guess they're at a bar, but it has that feel of like a teen scream because of the school setting. Young adult, uh, scream, whatever. Yeah, and I also marked a school slasher because we have quite yeah. a few of them. Uh, oops, I forgot to change the killer here. Dun dun dun. Yeah, it's um, our killer is uh, our nurse Diane Payne. Yeah, who like the entire move? Well, all of the the coaching staff, all of the adults, like are insanely inappropriate with every single one of these kids to the point where I'm like, are they all like molesting them? Like, is that what's happening here? Like I was just ready for that fucking storyline oh, to pop yeah. out because yeah. those were the They're guys really from all of them. Yeah. And they like touch them in inappropriate yeah. ways. What is her, what is her motive exactly? Yeah. Um, I don't really know. Like, um, she, she She's that like, she couldn't have. That, I was going to say that she couldn't do it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah, like jealousy, like the the those who can't teach kind of thing, and then she has to like watch them, like like yeah, literally. I think that was her. Mo that's what I got from it. That her motive yeah, was. That's what I thought it was too. Okay. I'm going to ruin your guys's you know chances of making it to the Olympics because I didn't get to go. Yeah. And there's, like, this whole thing, too, where, like, they're trying to use, like, certain, like, experimental medical procedures on them. Uh -huh. and she's, like, against it. Um, but she, like, tells them, like, she kind of tells them about it. I don't know. There's this whole scene where she's talking to one of the women about it while, like, giving her the most inappropriate, uncomfortable massage I've ever seen. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, like, you're, what you said is not wrong, like all the adults seem very inappropriate in this movie. Yeah, no, and that that was 
there were so many parts where I'm like, okay, where are they going with this? Because is this going to be like we're finding out? Like I couldn't tell if they were going to take that further and be like, all right, this is really about like this inappropriate relationship with these people. Like that's why they want these kids here. Um, and then they start talking about like, oh, you have a headache or like you passed out. Did you take, did you take the new medicine today? And then you realize that they're like experimenting on the kids and they're like, okay, why are they experimenting on them? Or again, like, is it sexually motivated? Is it, are they trying to make them better athletes? Like, why are they doing this? And then you're like, then also like you think in your head, this is a fucking like quick eighties slasher, like this person's killing people with javelin like it can't be that complicated and it's not it's it's not it acts like it is though like but right. it completely drops any of that stuff like halfway through the movie right uh, when it turns into just like a very poorly lit um like lots of the this movie drags <laughs> um there's a lot of talking in between with kind of no point it's a lot of like these people being upset with each other or their coach and pouting about it to each other or their coach and training for stuff in the middle. Right. With yeah. Like I was into it for a while and like, so I... like because it's like this kind of like goofy, like almost like, you know, 80s raunchy comedy feel. Right. right. And it like, like exactly what it says, like at times you even feel like, okay, like, am I watching like, like a softcore porno almost like, you know, so much of the beginning is about sex and, like, sex-motivated, like, oh, well, this couple is together and then this guy wants to get together with this girl and he's like, oh, we'll come back to my place. Like, if you come back to my place, we know what's going to happen. I'm like, okay. And then, no, they have the shower scene with the guys and they have the shower scene with the girls. Yeah, and there's full parental nudity. Like, yeah. And, so and that like, whole scene where they go back to that guy's place is so weird because you, like in a normal slasher movie, you're like, okay, so the killer's going to show up, right? Nope. It's just like yeah. this whole weird scene about him cleaning his kitchen because it might well, get because, him. Because, yeah, she's like, oh, I'll stay over if you clean your kitchen. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, there's the whole, like, fake out where he's, like, on the ground pumping up and down. She's like, aren't you tired? And he's like, not yet. And then she mm-hmm. walks by. She's like, how many push-ups is that? He's like, 108, 109. I'm like, what is happening here? Yeah. That's the same thing. I was like, well, that's a weird way to have sex. <laughs> and, like, that was, like, my first thought. I'm like, all right. And then I was like, oh, okay. I see what's happening here. Yeah. It's – um yeah, yeah. We, like, get all of that. And then, you know, we get our first kill. So you start thinking, like, okay, like, we, we're getting into this, like, finally. And, like, I was still on board. I was like, okay, we're having these fun moments. I enjoy – you know, quote unquote, getting to know the characters. And I knew there wasn't going to be any kind of crazy story arc, but, you know, I appreciate having a relationship with the people who that then get killed off because I care more about it. And that's, you know, a slasher trope. So I was fine with that. And then it, it's funny, as soon as the killing starts, all you feel so much less grounded in the story and getting to know the characters because it starts to get really muddled with those additional storylines where well, then you're like losing track of the couples like yep. wait, you're couple track of people. yeah you're losing track and then not only that when that starts when the kills start happening and they but like they're happening but not frequently enough to like be fun like to be fast-paced so like they're still interjecting these weird bits of like drama in the middle but like mm-hmm. 
they seem even more boring now because it's like no we got to the part where we can like we know these characters enough that like we can get to the kills now and you're like oh but you're still gonna feed us all this like unnecessary dialogue for like a long time um and like a lot of characters like way more characters than was necessary um yeah it's yeah it's funny because you, you expect it to pick up with that first kill as normally happens. And then it like does the opposite. It actually slows down. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and also it's really poorly lit. It's oh, yeah. near impossible. Any of the scenes that take place at night, near impossible to tell what's happening. Um, and so you do. Yeah. And who's who. So you lose a lot of, what's that happening but i mean we're watching what i presume is a poor quality vhs ripped and then put on youtube that i'm then streaming on my tv so i mean it is what it is but yeah that Um, that affects you know your experience with the film i know we get spoiled by these hd remakes but or these hd restorations but it's Mm -hmm. funny when i watch even when i watch a movie like this i'm like man i wish someone had done this hd the iconic weapon is a javelin, um, which is cool because it is the only weapon moved used in the entire mm-hmm. movie. Um, it's it, so it's fun to have a killer that just uses that one weapon all the way through again. Um, yeah, it's so fun. It I especially loved it in the last kill in particular. Um, she has like a needle in her hand um, to like dope the character up with you know whatever she's going to. And she starts getting away and realizing, and she goes back into the room to get her javelin instead of continuing to chase her. Um, and it, it was like a deliberate choice to make, and I loved that. Yeah. Um, no, it was it was like nice to have a costumed. She's wearing like it's almost like a jousting uniform. It feels like, um, but like to have a costumed killer with one specific, like I mean, dedicated because she even uses it in a fucking pool at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, I know a lot of times we kind of go through the plot, and talk about the kills from there. This movie has no mm-hmm. plot. Like we talked about what the plot kind of is. The the whole plot is just like all of these kids training for the Olympics, and then they slowly start going missing and the school is like where are all our athletes and like we know that they're getting killed um but it mostly is just like an excuse for lots of nudity um like i said there is full frontal um and so like lots of nudity and then just like kind of like raunchy sex comedy stuff mixed in with um with some like random kills um so like our first kill is i mean they they I, I'll give them this. They gave all the characters names. Wow, like full names. So, yeah. Um, Nancy Wilson, she's impaled with a javelin pinned to the wall. Um, she's like our first like character the like kind of get things started. Um, and then Sue Allen Baines, um, she is in like, she like falls asleep in the sauna and then is woken up by the killer and chased through the school naked before being impaled like right outside of the school. For like a long time. Well, and, like, they kept cutting to other people at the school walking around. I was like, oh, so am I going to hear her? And, like, no. <laughs> it's no. just, like, yeah, like, just... out where she's, like, at the window and she can see them. And they're like, I forgot my book inside. And then when they finally do look up, she's gone. Yeah. Um, but, she, I mean, she's also, like, 
I mean, fully naked running for a while. This movie is definitely centered around nudity. Yes. Um, and like, to be fair, a lot of the men are naked too. So it's not just like female exploitation here. It was definitely like, I mean, the guy was swimming and his shorts just fall off. And it's like, it, the girl's like, you distracted me. You were wearing your suit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, so there's, yeah. Uh, Joe Ward is impaled. This part, <laughs> this guy was killing me though. So there's this whole scene with the coach where he's like, you you throw like a ballerina and he just like keeps throwing and like every time he just like it like you it just looks so goofy and every time he keeps turning around and the coach is just like so disappointed in him and it feels like a cartoon and then finally he's like i don't know what you want from me and the and the coach goes ah you're good and <laughs> and like i was just so confused by what was happening but he eventually yeah he's out on the field throwing javelins around and he like turns around and out of nowhere a javelin impales him in the middle of the field um that one i thought was particularly funny because you don't even like there's the couple of these where you like you know sue allen baines you see the killer i actually thought that shot where the killer shows up in the sauna was really cool um like you see the killer there's a chase you see the killer's gloves a lot like black gloves b even texted me it was like oh like giallo feels because you see from the killer's pov sometimes but this joe ward one like it's just like you know a cartoon noise and a javelin just coming in from off screen it's just like and just him getting impaled and then that was it so um he goes missing that's when they start like noticing like all their promising athletes are missing um Lynn Fox is impaled in a pool. Um, she's swimming, and the javelin thrower is under her and like swims up while also launching the javelin. So it impales her from the bottom up. Um, and then, yeah, Frank, who I think Frank's like the boyfriend, right? Because technically, our final girl is Annie. Um, either Frank or Phil is the boyfriend. I, I could not tell you. I think it's Frank, but Frank is in, in, obviously impaled with a javelin. Like this is near the end of the movie. It's um, like, yeah, it's got to be Frank because she's attacked. Um, and he then, like spends like, the entire movie like, where is she? Where is she? Yeah. Like, like the whole last like quarter of the movie is just him like frantically trying to find her. Yeah, and then finding her and then getting killed because yeah. like. Um, and this is when, like, the big reveal is given because they go to the nurse's office and, like, the killer's in the nurse's office and, like, the noise, the, like, you know, the fart synth is, like, blah, blah. and then they're, like, Mrs. Mrs. Payne or whatever her name is. And we um, see her zipping out of the outfit. Yeah, and she, like, did you notice, too, like, her whole last monologue to um, our final girl, to Annie, she, like, had a weird voice overlay to make it sound like it's almost like more manly and like echoed. Yeah. Yeah. I did notice that. Yeah. That I was, was super trying weird. to figure out if they were trying to like make her seem like a different person or like it almost That's makes it seem like they're trying to make her seem like she's a guy. It almost so makes like her seem like a man's voice. Yeah, it, so there's like I was like, is she supposed to be someone else? Is like, are they pulling a sleepaway camp here? Um, like, where are we going? And then for a second, I'm like, is she possessed? Because it, like they do that weird overlay where I'm literally like, it almost sounds like she's like, you know, like a demon is in her or something. Like that's what they use now when you use like demons, and because it's like one voice talking over the other to give it like a deeper base. Um, 
yeah so like there's this whole final monologue um where she's like monologuing to diane uh or diane is monologuing to annie um and they get into basically like a little kerfuffle <laughs> and diane falls off a stairlift onto a sports trophy that impales her and she dies um and like the literally the final shot is just the sports trophy like dripping blood and then the credits start rolling that's the movie that's fatal games um annie rivers is a hundred percent like a character a final girl of circumstance she just happens to be the girl that makes it to the end i mean she's given more screen time um in the movie than the other girls like her story is given a little more depth um but it's not she has no arc or anything no no like none at all um i think she is no she shows she's naked in the movie too right i was gonna say i don't think she gets naked but no i don't think she does actually Mm, yeah i don't think so well i don't know because she's not the couple in the very beginning she's the one who's not committing to him right yeah yeah Yeah. so no we never see she's the one who's he had to clean his room or his kitchen yeah yeah so no we never see her get naked so she wins that trope yeah she exactly she wins that trope um but yeah i mean she has very little substance um uh and then you know our killer is uh diane who like we said is just like mad about things oh my god b you found this alternate cover for a Mm -hmm. living nightmare that's great Mm -hmm. i love that it incorporates an actual photo yeah i like that one there's a ton of it's funny if you type in this movie there's a ton of there's some really cool covers um that have come out for a variety of releases um it weirdly got a ton of international release uh when you look it up it's super bizarre actually so you look it up when i was trying to find what day and you know it doesn't show when it came out in america but you go to the release date and it it releases it came out in Brazil, Canada, Europe, France, Italy, Mexico, Norway, Spain, Sweden, UK, Venezuela, West Germany. And you know because they all have different names. Um, and some of them are just, you know, the names obviously translated into that language. Like Mexico mm-hmm. is La Academia del Terror, um, which is, you know, like school terror. Um, and then like Huegos um, Mortales, which is Fatal Games uh, for Venezuela. But like it does have a ton of international release, which I think is super, like, very random for the time um yeah so i i would imagine there's like a bunch of covers for it there that there is for sure um my favorite kill is the the pool i think it's easily the most memorable kill in the movie it's like a it's a cool shot like the killer coming out from the bottom of the pool it's creative um like that's definitely my favorite kill yeah um i yeah i like that kill i think i'll go with the 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 kill on the field the one right before that only just because like i love that it's like in broad daylight and like there's nothing like particularly you know fancy about the kill itself um but just the fact that that's like where you would be javeling and just the the middle of the day and it just I, I like that. I thought it was fun. I wasn't really expecting it. Kind of like caught me by surprise. Yeah, no, I can see why that. And like day kills are always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, this has 
no uh like uh reputation in the horror landscape really it's a super deep cut cult classic it's starting to get more recognition mostly because of this one javelin kill the pool one and also the movie does i guess draw a lot of comparisons to graduation day which has been getting more popular in the um like in modern day slasherdom uh because you know well i graduation day is getting more popular because holiday um slashers are very popular so it's getting more recognition and because it is and because this movie draws a lot of comparisons to it it has started to gain a little bit like more notoriety um of course i like checked letterboxd and ian was the ian west from one of mm-hmm. the writers ghastly granning who has literally watched like every horror movie ever made yeah anytime novel. i go to remo- review a movie i always see see him on there i'm like uh-huh hello nice yeah. to see you he was the only other one i'd seen it like literally even uh, brian from um pure cinema what had it on his want to watch list and i was like god damn ian uh the deep cuts uh has brennan covered it Brennan hasn't even watched yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I know. I'm sure he'll get around to it. But I mean, if he if it's on Jiffy Pop, I didn't look, but it wasn't on his letterbox, and he's pretty active on there. Yeah. So I think it would have been. Much better than me. I was really annoyed. I tried to use Letterboxd the other day. I was like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, check in and see I watched this movie, and the website was down. I was going to say, was it the though uh-huh. crashed. and i was like yeah. you know what this is just this is just a sign it's a sign from the movie gods um so at the end of every, every episode we do rank our movies so you can find that ranking at uh keepscreaming.com slash the dash list this will be our 67th movie um uh Whoa. the top of our list i know the top of our list is um still nightmare on elm street 1984 followed by my buddy valentine and black christmas with texas chainsaw which was last episode rolling in at number four and the bottom is rounded up uh by april fool's day from 08 then april fool's day 86 girls night out from 82 and cry wolf in 05 um well this is not gonna rank high no uh you know what like wow but look at like how well does it actually fit in with like cheerleader camp home sweet home blood yeah i mean it's right there yeah um i think i when watching it i actually was you know thinking a lot about cheerleader camp and i mean yeah exactly home sweet home um i think those are better slashers oh yeah no um i think that i know some of these ones at the bottom are really hard um, it's same with at the top, right? Because you're just really comparing. You start comparing things that are super different. Um, so the next one is uh, Blood Knight Legend of Mary Hatchet, which is one of the only movies on this list that like we don't really recommend watching. Um, we... <laughs> I actively dislike that movie, and like I'm actually super upset that we even have to talk about it and think about it. Yeah, really, I mean, like I'm actually really annoyed that I have to think about that movie and go and go. Is it a better slasher <laughs> than this movie? I know. Watch, we're gonna get to a point where we're just like, fuck it. We we're taking that off the list. It's not happening. Um, and uh, if you care to listen to that episode, feel free to. Um don't feel free to watch the movie um it is it is one of the only ones we're not that kind to uh only because there's things that are handled in that movie that 
yeah it's just aren't done well um nothing against the people behind it it was just a a sign of the times for sure um so anywho um and it just didn't really work very well as a slasher um at all um than this as a slasher i think it does yeah it does yeah we have at least like back like familial trauma Mm -hmm. um flashbacks Mm -hmm. uh, there's way more tropes employed um we have a final girl who she does just survive um but there is a sense of like i mean she doesn't have an arc but there's more of a sense of like she exists as our final girl throughout the movie at least where this one this is one like, it's it, it could have been anybody exactly it didn't really uh, matter and honestly our final girl doesn't feel like the final girl until the very end we think it's the i thought it was like oh we're gonna have a final boy and then i'm like oh wait just kidding we've we've swapped um so it was really just a survivor there's no final girl in this movie um then on our list we start getting into the ones that are not really slashers so we have 2014's mischief night um which starts off like a slasher kind of in the way that cry wolf does but then we get a twist and realize that it's actually not happening at all um and although it sets you up just like cry wolf does uh it doesn't follow through with any actual with with the slashing in the same way it does have some slashing where cry wolf doesn't um same happy death day to you um the only one on here that's you know technically an actual slasher is girls night out but that's barely a semblance of a movie and this is more of a movie than that for sure um So really it comes down to where do we think it falls in this like weird category of like mischief night, happy death day to you. Like, yeah. I, this is worse than picking on the top. Um, <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, I mean, I think that maybe so, it's yeah. a good spot like above those, like after Blood Night Legend of Mary Hatchet. But um before 2014 Smith Shift Night, Happy no, Death I agree. to You. Cause I, yeah, because I look at when I look at things like Mischief Night, Happy Death Day, even Cry Wolf, which Cry Wolf is like a slasher, but like not really and like it even like betrays a lot of like the classic tropes. Like they use a slasher like overlay, but they make a much different movie with all of these, right? Um, mm-hmm. um well and also what we always come back to is like the slasher is about the kills. And if the right. kills aren't there, then it's it's not really a it's it's a slasher. But it these are all slasher movies. But does it fit the blueprint and the formula? That's really what this list is about. Right, right, right. How so good for, is it at being a slasher? Well, not very right. good because nobody actually dies. Yeah. So yeah, I, I put it right above Mischief Night. Yeah, because yeah. you know we do have we do have the setup of a slasher. We do have you know a themed killer. They're costumed. They use an iconic weapon. 
Um, we have kills happening to a group of teens that are all brought together for a specific reason. Like those are all very iconic. You know, we have some red herrings in, you know, as much as you can for like this lack of plot. We have red herrings in there to distract us from who the actual surprise killer, masked killer is. Um, all those massive, massive slasher tropes. It's just, they're there and that's it. Um, and how, how well they're executed or performed. I mean, this movie exists in that same vein as cheerleader camp and, you know, where it's just one of those movies that got pushed out in this. Yeah. Let's, let's make one of these fast slasher movies and let's, you know, capitalize on the nudity and not much else. Do you ever like get rose-colored glasses when you look back at movies and you're like, "Oh, cheerleader camp." Uh-huh. Uh, I do too. But you know what? It's only one scene ever with cheerleader camp comes to mind uh, all the time. The, the dream with the mascot. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. that seems really good. The rest it's of the movie is trash. Yeah, yeah. But I think of that scene all the time. All the time. And then I like weirdly think I like the movie. Because I think about that scene, and then I was just thinking about like, oh yeah, cheerleader camp, and that, and then I'm like, but just that scene, like literally, that's the only part of the movie that I really like anything from. The rest of like nothing like that for Girls Night Out at all. Um, I told you I blacked out. I can't even tell you what happened in that movie anymore. but yeah, like cheerleader camp and even like um, home sweet home. I'm like, oh, like I look at them. I'm like, oh, I have these memories for all. Yeah, what was his and name? I'm, mistake. Yeah, mistake. Yeah, <laughs> and like I mean, mistake always stands out in my head too because of just like what a weird thing that was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah so interesting. I'm wondering, like, uh, just one day if we'll go back and be like, oh. Oh, fucking Deadly Olympics. What was this movie called? Fatal Games. I keep trying to call it Final Games. I, yeah, I looked up Final Games numerous times before yeah. I realized. I'm like, wait, wrong movie. Um, yeah. I almost watched a movie called Silent Scream that I was like, this movie's not a slasher. And then I would like, I had to finish it because I started it. And like, it actually is a slasher movie. So maybe we'll get to do that one day. Um, it's not a lot better than Fatal Games. So. <laughs> one day down the road um it is better than fatal games i'll give it that but not a lot better no and we Uh, were due we were giving you guys some too good of stuff we had to get get in one of these uh youtube rip 80s ones i'm gonna give you texas and nightmare this year i mean yeah no you're spoiled you guys are spoiled um yeah so there we go that is 67 movies and we are two months out of our three-year anniversary, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, we know what we're doing for October, and we've talked. We talked about what we, we're doing for we September. Do? Yeah, we picked them out already. Oh, you'll have to text me. Yeah, I'll have to remind you. Um, we'll reveal those later. Um, and we did talk about September as well. But now I can't remember something about going back to school. And we're like, oh, yeah, we'll save that for back to school because, you know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll have to go back through the text. Yeah, we will remember and we will let you know on the interwebs. Yes. On the Twitterverse. Yeah, you'll find us on there talking about Fatal Game. Fatal Game? Deadly, deadly, deadly despair. No. Fatal Games. I'll remember the name one day and it won't even matter anymore. 
Um, well, thanks for tuning in again, guys. We'll be back in two weeks with some movie that we'll let you know about once mm-hmm. we remember it. And until then, keep screaming.